0: Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. broadcasting live on am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota as well as wcpt 820 chicago's progressive talk it is the matt mcneil show for your friday good to be with you today guest free but you're more than welcome to call in 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 and i got in the four o'clock hour with uh, listener appreciation month i got two giveaways to give away so make sure you're sticking around for that patrick how are we today uh, it's been a crazy Friday here at the station getting ready for the weekend so. well, you, you're you Brett's on vacation having my ties on some beach someplace <laughs> so you've been you've been doing the yeoman's work great job by the way and I want to say that this is you you're you're working your caboose off and a big salute to you it was actually I had multiple when we did the listener appreciation event on Tuesday this last week a lot of people were glad you showed up it's like oh it's nice to put a, a name with the, a, a face with a the name there so <laughs> uh good job this week and uh well Brett's gonna be back next week so <laughs> prepare for more pain. All right. 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205 is the phone number. Uh, well, let's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's breaking news. And speaking of breaking, it's going to break Donald Trump here. Donald Trump owes the state of New York more than $350 million in damages for decades of fraudulent business practices in the state. So said the New York State uh, Supreme Court judge on Friday. The judgment against Trump was announced by Judge Engron uh, over the course of the 44-day trial. The New York Attorney General—you know what? This is just—this story doesn't have the music underneath it. it does need. Let, let, Patrick, let's put something appropriate underneath this thing. There you go. Pop that up there. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Three sixty four, folks. Woo-hoo. In the immortal words of Senator Nature Boy Rick Blair, Woo! Pay up your orange yeah, and In the immortal words of Representative Randy Macho Man Savage, oh yeah! Like I said, I don't think anyone could come and listen to this show and say we don't have integrity and standards. Uh, <laughs> ah! Ah! There isn't a safe bottle of ketchup anywhere near that man tonight <laughs> hey hey the good news he'll be comforted by melania <laughs> oh good times people good times so let's just do the math here uh time for our math math corner <laughs> Wow, these are big numbers. I'm going to have to turn the calculator sideways to do this, okay, because this is a lot of money here. So it's uh, $365 million, all right, plus the E.G. Carroll uh, ruling, which is 83.3. All right, I did that wrong here, so pardon me a second. Yeah, I'm only so good here, okay? All right, plus 83.3. Zero, zero 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 equals, wow, that's $448,300,000, $300,000 $448, $300, that guy owes. Hey, Republican Party, guess what? He wants to take over your party because he has $448,000,000 to pay out and he doesn't have the money. So he's basically looking to take every damn dime you've got for election 2024 for every senator, congressman, governor, State House, state state Congress, state uh, Senate, they're going to take every dime that you guys have got because that's what he thinks you are there for. You're there for him. And the best part is, you dumbasses are going to let him do it, too. (laughs) Oh, Oh, it's a good weekend. And by the way, President's Day on Monday, hmm, what do you get the guy who— Owes oh, four hundred and forty-eight million dollars. <laughs> oh, oh, happy days and good times. Oh, I know, I know, dignity. <laughs> um, over the course of the forty-four-day civil trial, New York Attorney General Letitia James. Uh, Offered uh, office accused Trump of grossly exaggerating his wealth in order to secure favorable business loans by deceiving banks and insurers. That includes overvaluing Mar-a-Lago by as much as 2300%. For example, and falsely claiming his penthouse at Trump Tower was three times larger than it actually was. James initially argued Trump and his affiliated businesses... Uh, should disgorge $250 million only to increase that figure to a requested $370 million in a post-trial brief. The amount is no arbitrary figure, by the way. The Attorney General's office estimates Trump's fraud yielded to at least $168 million in illegal gains on his loan to purchase 40 Wall Street, $139 million related to the sale of the old post office in Washington, D.C., $60 million from the sale of Ferry Point Golf Cl- uh, Club, and $2.5 million in bonuses paid to accomplices. Oh, it's nice when they have the story using the word accomplices, isn't it? Oh, yeah. The judge found in an earlier part of the trial that Trump had indeed committed fraud for years. Oh, I mean, this was not even in doubt. I mean, when, when you're not even listing the size of the apartment correctly. I mean, come on. It would be phenomenal if he had to sell Mar-a-Lago and we could turn it into something like the Barack Obama Southern Library Oh, dare I dream? I'm feeling a little roused here right now. There you go. Ah. A discrepancy of this order of magnitude by a real estate developer sizing up his own living space of decades can only be considered fraud. In defendant's word, rent-regulated apartments are worth the same as unregulated apartments. Restricted land is worth the same as unrestricted land. Restrictions can evaporate into thin air. A disclaimer by one party casting responsibility on another party exonerates the party's lies. That is a fantasy world and not the real world. Because basically, in case you you missed it, Trump repeatedly would say, oh, this building's worth $600 million. And then would put a disclaimer. He would say it's worth that and then put a a disclaimer line. It's like, if you trust me on that price, you're the fool. (laughs) But it's worth $600 million. But I wouldn't trust me. It's worth $600 million. And that was what he was trying to do with his get-out-of-jail-free card. This is one of the dumbest human beings that's ever lived. Seriously. Defense attorney Chris, uh, Chris Keiss blamed uh, Trump's uh, accounts, accountants for the fraud, describing the case against his client as manufactured to uh, purpose a political agenda. President Trump lied on multimillion-dollar accountants at Mazars. Uh, he said in his closing statement, he suggested that instead of punishing Trump, he should go get a medal for his business acumen. <laughs> oh, Mazars, once again, he's trying to take over the entire Republican Party so that he can take every single dime from them. Payoff. And reminder, this doesn't include his lawyers he owes money to, which by the way, there's like a you know a uh, you know, like 60 of them at this point. This is just this is just for the findings. This is just the the penalties he has to pay at this point. Um Yeah, I know he's hurting. I mean, not baby in a cage hurting, but I mean he's hurting today, but oh, boo-hoo, little boo-boo kitty. L- boo-hoo. Uh Mazers, by the way, cut ties with Trump in twenty twenty two, warning at the time that the financial statements he prepared for Trump from twenty eleven to twenty twenty should no longer be relied upon. While it, on the stands as a witness, Trump repeatedly pointed to what he called disclaimer clause appended to those um, amendments or statements that he believed absolved him from responsibility for the accuracy. So, and, and by the way, if I'm not mistaken, one of them actually was added after the fact, which is, hello, hey, I know you signed this, but by the way, you are a fool if you believe me, but just say, glad you signed it. We would call it a worthless statement clause, he said at one point, seeking to diminish the value of the fraudulent claims. They were not really documents that the banks pay much attention to. Uh, The judge dismissed the argument as a pretrial ruling. Defendants' reliance on these worthless disclaimers is worthless. The worthless clause does not say what the defendants say it says, does not rise to the level of enforceable disclaimer, and cannot be used to insinuate fraud. Over the course of the months-long trial, Trump complained frequently on social media about the lack of jury, conveniently ignoring the fact that his lawyers hadn't attempted to request one. Oh, every dime. Worth every dime, Donald. He also repeatedly called it a hoax and unconstitutional, a witch hunt, China. Well, in addition to attacking uh, the judge and other court staffers on social media, Trump repeatedly violated a gag order intended to curtail those attacks, then demanded a mistrial, claiming in part that the order violated his First Amendment rights of free speech. In additional attempts to dismiss that, Trump's lawyers argued there wasn't evidence that Trump's uh, actions had caused public harm and that the statute of limitations had expired on many of the allegations. Oh, not really. No. $300, $364 million in the fraud case in New York. He doesn't have the money. I mean, this is, this is like a casino royale where the guy loses the, well, you know, it's been out for a while, uh, loses the poker game and basically doesn't have the money that he, he, he used to, to, you know, to pay back people. So yeah, this is uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, just delicious. If there is there any other rotting orange in the sun that you would rather see get absolutely dismantled like this, because this goes to the core of who he is. And I, I don't get me wrong, the MAGA people are like, this is the greatest justice in the history of mankind. No, it's not. He he was he he was so brazen at his lies that it was easy to find him guilty. And basically, and I and I am of the mindset he he basically threatened to he was trying to get one of his followers to kill the judge. In my mind, or the the prosecutor, he was he was trying to find someone there. He goes, see there you go. Don't try to hold me accountable. There's consequences. But they didn't. They didn't see it that way. They just saw it as irresponsible behavior by a freaking 77-year-old man who has yet to really ever be held accountable. But, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about things right now uh, that at least, you know, it, it, I'm going to tell you, seriously, he's going to raid the rnc he's going to go after the money that the republicans have raised for this election and use that money to pay off his bills and this is going to decimate the republican party down the ticket this is going to decimate it wow and this is not i mean this is this is just the tip of the iceberg it's been another banner day for republicans in this country we'll talk about that when we come on back 952-946-6205 it's the matt mcneil show I talk the talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show here on your Friday. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. In case you missed it, $364 million is uh, what Trump has to pay now in his civil pro- fraud trial. On top of the $83.3 million he needs to pay E.G. Carroll, uh, which gets him up to $448.3 million. He is currently in the hole. And trust me. These people have are so tired of him. They are going to they are going to put immediate freezes on everything. Oh, uh, just, just great. Just great. And I'm dead serious. I mean, this whole thing with the RNC where he's getting rid of uh Ronald McDaniel, the the and he's inser- inserting his daughter-in-law into that and also an election denier. They're he's doing that because he needs money. He doesn't have the money to pay these people off. And so, and and even if he does have some of it, he doesn't have all of it. And he knows he's going to have to pay these. So he is trying to take over the Republican Party so that he can use the Republican Party coffers as a checking account. And I want to remind you how how much this is going to decimate the Republican Party's chances of not only picking up the Senate, but also holding the House. As a matter of fact, I almost guarantee the House is gone at this point because they're just, you know, they're so inept, and I'll get to Comer here in a second because he has some serious, he has to answer some serious freaking questions. But, it, you know, you you know, he's not going to win, and I, let's go into the next story here on Trump. Apparently, he's being behind the scene to talk about abortion, uh, he says, if he endorsing anything short of a near total ban would alienate his hardcore Christian followers, But the Times reports that he's going to come out in favor of a 16-week nationwide abortion ban after he locks down the Republican presidential nomination later this year. Trump apparently said it for a 16-week ban because he thinks it's a nice, even number. Trump will also favor exceptions to the ban in cases of rape, incest, where the life of the mother is at stake. Uh, Abortion is currently banned after 16 weeks in 20 states including Mr. Trump's home state of Florida, the Times writes, this type of ban that Mr. Trump has discussed privately would restrict abortion rights for the remaining 30 states, would is illegal beyond that point, And the question of exceptions limits the life of the mother also controversial. The politics of a nationwide abortion ban may not be good for Trump. However, even if he sets his limits on 16 weeks. I mean, sure, it's going to get you great numbers in Florida or in Texas where you're already going to win those states. But this will i want to remind you in virginia which is not exactly i mean it's been leaning more to the left but they got a republican governor there and they just had an election and what happened in that election the governor went forward with his new compassionate conservative we're all, i think was it 18 week it was an 18 week ban and there's going to be all these exceptions and they're going to do these things and they still didn't matter because You've angered a voting bloc who basically feel as if anything other than what they've had is not enough. And it doesn't matter what you say in your moderate stance. There are still Republicans out there who are trying desperately to outlaw even abortion or, or, or contraception. They don't even want contraception to be illegal. And so, and, and and the number of Republicans out there screaming about how rape victims should be forced to give birth to their child, because it's a blessing, as they keep screaming at them, as they're threatening to chain them to beds to make sure for for nine months. No, this is this is a nightmare issue for them. They haven't learned their lesson. He's going to try to basically come on out and be, I'm a mother now, sixty weeks. The reality is, is. I've, You've got a voting base out there that doesn't want 16 weeks. They want the same thing they had before. And so good luck with that. I don't think that's going to help you at all. And once again, on top of that, he's draining every bit of cash you got. He's, he is, I mean, how are you guys this bad at this? I mean, how are you this bad? And I'll get to after the break here at the bottom of the hour, I'll get to Comer and the legitimate question that we've got i get it and i'll and i'll also probably talk a little bit about russia today because uh, of of obviously what's been going on over there but i get you you guys fantasize through your hyper aggressive right wing media brainwashing that you guys have eagerly drank pitcherful after pitcherful after pitcherful It's no longer about supporting Republicans. It's about getting revenge on the people you have deemed your enemies. And that is something. Just look at any Republican talking head in the evening on any of these right-wing news outlets. What's their main narrative? We've got to stop these people. We've got to hold them accountable. These people are destroying America. They want to kill your grandma. They're going to kill your dog. Oh, are you just going to let them do it? I mean, that is the tone that is being put out there and so you've got this blind obedience to this which uh, the reality is is i i think it, it this 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 party has gotten themselves into such a a problem zone i don't think outside of losing across the board even with gerrymandered districts it will do anything for them to stop what they're doing i mean it it kind of similar to when Grant became president, back after Johnson, I mean, Republicans for the most part for for quite a few years were you know kind of really the party of choice. That was that was there. I mean, it's as been as well. I mean, it should be mentioned that the Democratic Party had a run like that too, especially FDR into Truman. And it's interesting if you go back and listen to radio shows from those times, they talk about how the Democrats, you know, pretty much everyone's a Democrat at that point. And so it was, you know, the Republicans, by embracing the the racism of the South and and the Dixiecrats, basically turned that around. But the reality is, I think the Republican Party, if not for the obscene money advantage, if not for the gerrymandered districts, if not for the Supreme Court that seems to be in the bag, they would have already become a secondary party in this country. But right now, because you guys can't seem to learn to get out of your own way, Donald Trump is now on the verge of making you irrelevant, even with gerrymandered states. Even with counties where, you know, that the, 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 you've rigged it to where The the, the Republicans should be able to win with a turnip with an R next to its name. And if you are a Republican and you're like, because once again, Donald Trump expects the Republican Party to pay this. He is putting into motion the, 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 the vehicle in his daughter in law at the RNC to do just that pay his legal bills, pay his civil fines. And so you're going to be looking at people like Pete Stauber, and you're going to be looking at uh, Opie down in one. And probably, fit, well, if Fischbach, they'll say no, because you're you're in a real red district, so you should be able to win that. Emmer will get his money, but if you're Finstad or if you're for for Stubby up there and ain't, if you're either one of those two, <laughs> I guarantee you, your money's about to go to the state of New York or E. Jean Carroll, or to a lawyer. That's where your money's going. Uh, it it's I and I the, the hits keep on coming. I got more to get to here. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM950. It's the way you show me When you tell. It is the Matt McNeil Show in the evenings on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're at. By the way, one thing I need to make sure I mention too here, Trump cannot do business in New York uh, in a corporation or other legal entity in New York for three years. And guess what? There's some side dishes for Eric and Don Jr., Trump's two sons, Eric and Don Jr., are also banned from serving as executives for New York companies for two years. Both were also hit with $4 million fines. Wow, that's a lot of cocaine. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Eric's grabbed some crayons and some construction paper. He is drawing up currently a $4 million bill. He'll pay that. Here you go, Your Honor. Paid in full. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... The dumb apple doesn't fall far from the dumb tree, does it? 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Let me also, I I want, I'm going to, I'll get to Comer here in a second, but I want to mention another story, which is not necessarily to do with Trump. But I think actually, if we extrapolate on this a little bit, that I think you can see this is also a really, I don't think this is a good sign for the Republicans. Now, Senator Joe Manchin today, uh, the Democrat from West Virginia, said he will not enter the 2024 presidential race he announced in a speech at West Virginia University on Friday. The fact that he now, well, okay. I think Mitt Romney might have been a problem, but he says he doesn't want anything to do with it. I think Mitt Romney could have actually become a spoiler. Joe Manchin, I don't think he could. I'll get back to that in a second, but uh, with these two gone, I mean you're not going Dean Phillips is not going to get anyone excited, so they're pretty much this this third party idea I think is not not going to go anywhere this year. The announcement ends months of speculation over whether the West Virginia Democrat would mount a third party bid for the White House. Manchin said that while he would not be involved in a presidential run, I will get involved in making sure that we're secure. We secure a president who has the knowledge and the passion that has the ability to bring this country together. (laughs) Uh, He said he did not think he did not want to be a spoiler in Biden's likely rematch with Trump. I just don't think it's the right time. He said democracy is at stake right now. All right. The first part, it doesn't make any sense. Second part makes a lot of sense. Manchin's announcement to forego the independent bid as well as Maryland Governor Larry Hogan's decision to run for the Senate as a Republican as opposed as an independent will bring renewed scrutiny over former Utah Governor John Huntsman on his plans for 2024. I don't think Huntsman is nearly the the appeal that you think he is. Huntsman participated in a no-labels town hall with Manchin in July in New Hampshire. He has yet to announce a decision about a potential third-party bid. When Manchin indicated a presidential bid as a third-party candidate, the centrist group No Labels backed him. In a statement Friday, the group's national co-chairs, former Senator Joe Lieberman, Benjamin F. Chavez Jr., and former North Carolina Governor Pat uh, McCrory, all said they welcome Manchin's efforts to strengthen the movement for America's common-sense majority. The No Labels is currently speaking with several exceptional leaders about serving on the presidential unity ticket. They said, adding, they will announce the coming weeks whether they'll lend their support to the ticket. Manchin for months had indicated he was seriously considering dropping his affiliation with the Democratic Party and becoming an independent. He distanced himself from Biden and fellow Democrats, repudiating parts of the Inflation Reduction Act, and threatening to oppose President's Environmental Protection Agency nominees. Well, you know, once in, hey, heaven forbid we actually try to keep the people of West Virginia safe. yeah, you know, why, why don't you just make the... the 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 state flag black in West Virginia, that way it can represent the lungs of the people in that state. Anyway, um, here's the deal. Uh, I want to – okay, first of all, I, I think there are people like Joe Manchin and Joe Lieberman and uh, Dean Phillips who are these very moderate Democrats, and let's not mistake who they are. 30 years ago, they would have been moderate Republicans. And their party basically would never allow them to become a primary winner now. So they jumped to the other side so that they had some allegiance and could possibly get a few things done. There is this idea they have, and I love when they say this that as an extreme moderate on the way on the far side of the party that they are. I mean, and as a matter of fact, maybe even into the Republican Party themselves. They think that I'm going to leave the party and I'm taking half the party with me. (laughs) No. (laughs) The rest of the party is like, bye, see you, let the the door hit your ass on the way out. Hey, it's true. Sure, I mean, a few people would go with him. A few. And a guy like Joe Manchin might—let's put it this way. Joe Manchin might pull away a few Democrats in West Virginia, which is not going to necessarily hurt the national Democratic ticket. Dean Phillips would not pull, I mean, what, 50, 60 people out of the Minnesota 3rd District? Come on. No, he's not going to—it's not like Betty McCollum or or Angie Craig or Amy Klobuchar. I mean, if one of them all of a sudden said, I'm leaving the party and I'm taking people with me, then that would be a hit. But, you know, if you're if you're already, your policies are already, you know, Democrats, My first stance is to ask what the Republicans want me to do that you're not appealing to the Democratic base. You're just not. And so I have zero doubt. Manchin did some numbers and some research. And the reason why he's bailing on this idea, and he's bailing fairly quickly, is that he's seen numbers that say, no, the Democrats aren't going to come in mass droves to vote for you against Joe Biden. On top of that, I might add, I think the numbers, okay, so the fact that a lot of this third-party stuff comes from the moderate Republican perspective. They can't stand Trump, and justifiably, I'm, I'm with you on that one, They can't stand Trump, they know Trump's evil, they know Trump's wrong, they know Trump's destroying the Republican Party, and they desperately want to put some option out there that has a chance to win that's not Donald Trump, that does represent the right. I mean, it's kind of what happened to the Independence Party, because... Once the Independence Party in Minnesota got, um, got kind of sidetracked because their, their convention got overrun by a bunch of far-right loon balls, what happened to most of those guys? The middle of the rotors? Well, most of them went back to the Republican Party because they were all moderate Republicans who just did not like the extremism of the party. And so these third-party things, they're they are kind of floating this idea out there of like, boy, oh boy, won't so many Democrats want to come? And no, not many Democrats do. But what about the voter base in the Republican Party? And one of two things, I have zero doubt Manchin, another reason why he's bailing on this is because he sees one of two scenarios in the Republican Party. One is that no matter what these moderate Republicans say, they're all going to vote for Trump, that they've already made up their mind, and that's going to be the case. Now, I think there's a lot of Republicans out there, especially if you live in a metro area like Chicago or Minneapolis-St. Paul, especially you get in the suburbs where it's like, you know, I'm a Republican, but gee willikers, I don't know if I like this Donald Trump anymore. Don't fool yourself. That guy's going to get in there and Trump, 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 and that's going to be it. I mean, there, there's, we know who you guys are. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, you that's what you're going to do because you've been brainwashed into saying that even with the devil himself at the top of your ticket, I would rather have that than a Democrat win, even though, let's face it, the Democrats save your butts all the damn time. Nope, that's that's going to be the case. Now, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I, I, I do know a lot of Republicans, moderate Republicans who who are furious about what happened on January 6th, who are furious that you would be such a spoiled loser that you basically would try to overthrow the government of the United States. And they can see what would happen if he basically got into power again. So I think part of this is that the Republican moderates are still so programmed to vote Republican or else that now that they're waking up, that they're not looking for a third party candidate because they're terrified of the, Hey Bill, I heard you vote a third party. I'm going to kick your ass. You know, I think they're terrified of that. And so, but they're not going to vote for Trump. I think they're just going to stay home. And I think that this is, and once again, this is something that we saw in polling numbers that came out of New Hampshire and in Iowa, that if Trump is the nominee, that multiple, Democrat, multiple Republicans said, We're not going, I'm not going to vote for Trump. I, I don't know if I'll vote for anyone. And so this is a significant problem. And so if you factor those two things in together, the fact that the Democrats don't have this massive moderate Democrat front that's looking to jump ship, and the fact that the, the Republicans sure have a few people who are still going to vote for Donald Trump, even though they, they'd say they don't like him, but have a lot of Republicans who do really not want to vote for Donald Trump, but they're not ready to vote for a third party. I think that that's what Joe Manchin is is seeing, and he just doesn't want anything to do with it because he said, why be a loser? And he also, I imagine, doesn't want to be the person that takes just enough of the vote away from D- Joe Biden, to, as he kind of himself said, to basically get Trump in for a second term. So I think that that is telling us some things here. And like I said, I mean, every one of these rulings, it doesn't help. And when the Republican party has to start going out there and say, you know what? Remember when we promised you, we're going to give you a million dollars for an ad buy? Well, that million dollars paying E. Jean Carroll, that million dollars is going to the state of New York now. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, Let me also get into James Comer. Now the Republican from Kentucky, I think is actually in trouble. So yesterday there was the story that Alexander Smirnov, who Comer had been touting as his key witness in the charges against Joe Biden has now been charged with lying to the FBI, that they have evidence that he indeed did lie about Joe Biden and his relationship. So, okay. In response, his, his investigation has suffered a major blow when that was announced. In response, some Democrats in Congress are demanding answers and calling for Comer, uh, Comer's probe to end immediately. I would say this. There's also another side of this that we need to discuss. When exactly did James Comer, who has still to this point insisted, Joe Biden's guilty, Joe Biden's guilty, I got this expert witness, when did you know? that the FBI was investigating him for lying about what he said to you. Because if that was two or three months ago, before you start, you formalize this impeachment inquiry, then you have to explain why you knew the key witness for your investigation was already fraudulent, but you still went ahead with it. And that is a legit question. James Comer should be forced to answer the question when did he know this guy had been lying his butt off and, and, and did he basically continue to pursue charges against Joe Biden under the auspices of this witness, even though he knew he wasn't telling the truth? The indictment of Smirnoff was announced by special counsel David Weiss, the I mean, U.S. attorney general. He was, By the way, he was the, he was the investigator who was assigned to validate if this guy was telling the truth. And instead, he's come back and said, no, not only is he not telling the truth, he's been lying. According to the FBI, according to Newsweek's uh, Dara Roche, says Smirnoff manufactured false evidence against Hunter Biden. The indictment alleges that Smirnoff's claims were a fabrication and amalgam of otherwise unremarkable business meetings and contacts. Representative Jared Mowatsky of uh, Florida, highly critical of Comer during a Thursday appearance on CNN, when did James Kohler know when this was false and how long did he conceal that from the American people? Legit question. Are you telling me he just found out through the indictment? Or has he known all along that at least for a period of time that this, 10, uh, w- w- that this 1023 form was made up? These are real questions and we need to get to the bottom of it. Representative Robert Garcia, Democrat from Colorado, California, also calling Comer out, On Twitter, Garcia posted, James Comer, lead informant in his sham impeachment against POTUS, was just indicted for lying and making up his claims. We demand Comer apologize to the president and his political stunt immediately. What a joke. In an official statement, Representative Jamie Raskin, love that guy, Democrat from Maryland, Special Counsel Weiss's investigation is just the most recent to debunk the Ukraine Burisma conspiracy theory at the heart of the fraudulent impeachment inquiry. Shouldn't be mind you that the Hunter's laptop, that's also been discredited. They got nothing. But I think it's more important is this. When did James Comer, when was he informed that indeed that this whole thing Was this this whole allegation was made up? Was fraudulent? It did not exist, because the reality is is I think if he knew for a while and he didn't, he kept this going. Well, then he should be held accountable. We'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Good to be with you here on a Friday. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Joe Biden has absolutely come on out and declared that, uh, of course, Vladimir Putin is guilty of Alexei Navalny's death. I have zero doubt of it. As a matter of fact, if you've not seen it, there was a video that was posted, and who is this by Brian uh, uh, Krasenstein, who posted this video, of him yesterday, uh, 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 Navalny, yesterday looking fine and supposedly he died and they, they it it's clear that they poisoned him they shot him they did something to him I mean it's it, I want to remind you of the brazenness of Vladimir Putin and once again this is one of the reasons why Trump and his supporters love him because they wish they could do stuff like this and I'm dead serious and if you if you if I'm wrong then stop acting like this worshiping him. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, Tucker Carlson hasn't taken his knee pads off as has done his trip to Moscow. Dear Lord, Vladimir Putin had one of his opponents murdered in the street, murdered in the street. And it was on camera. And if you did not see it, they murdered him. An ambulance came by, picked him up, the, the victim, put him in the ambulance that left right after, I mean, the car that just shot him was still there for God's sakes. When the ambulance got there, they picked him up, got rid of him, and then they sent street cleaners down to not only scrub the street, but the sidewalk where he was shot, and his argument was, well, that was the scheduled cleaning population. you, you can't expect us to basically, you know, have, have, have you know, not cut that off. Gee Willikers, we got to keep the streets clean. And by the way, I found out after the fact that Moscow rarely clear, cleans its streets, apparently. It's not something they do often. And so it was clearly a setup. But they, you know, Republic, the, the MAGA Republicans love that because that's what they love Trump for. It's, I'm going to get revenge on the people that I feel have wronged me. And yeah, for some of them, that's start shooting and that's for god's sakes i mean that's you know abbott down in texas and and christy noem over in 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 south dakota and when she gets time because sweet jesus apparently no one wants to live in south dakota and she has to work every friggin' job over there you know is she going to release these i'm working at the arby's in, in, in 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 rapid city who who doesn't like curly fries bring back the potato cakes so uh, the world leaders have basically—Biden, he squarely cast blame on uh, Vladimir Putin for the death of Alexei Navalny. The U.S. has not independently confirmed Navalny's death, but Biden said he has no reason to not believe it's true. Yet no more proof of Putin's, uh, Putin's brutality. I will say this. If it's not Putin, then they need to explain why there's images tonight of in Moscow of people just trying to put flowers down at memorials for Navalny— And they're all getting arrested across the entire country of Russia. They're all just getting arrested just for trying to show some sympathy for Navalny. Make no mistake, Putin is responsible for Navalny's death, Biden said in a speech from the White House. We don't know exactly what happened, but there is no doubt that the death of Navalny was the consequences of Putin and his thugs did. Biden described Navalny, 47, as brave, principled, and dedicated to building a Russia where the rule of law existed. He actually recorded a video, which is out. You can find it for if he was killed by Putin, which so that <laughs> I don't know where you get the idea. I might do this says Vladimir Putin as the guy, he just murdered released a video that said, in case Vlad kills me. It it's yeah. That, you know, if, if your hero is Vladimir Putin, you are a sick twisted jackass period. End of story. Now, in, I did mention Tucker Carlson. If you haven't seen that little, you know, polisher and what he's doing right now, he is running across Russia. He he does what was was what was this? He just acted like you know a twelve-year-old girl meeting Taylor Swift when he got to see Vladimir Putin. It was pathetic. But now he's running around talking about how great Russia is. So he stops by a grocery store and he buys a bunch of stuff and he says, it's so much cheaper here. And of course, immediately the readers adding context to the video, over 60% of Russians spend half their salary on food, according to the Russia state-owned news agency TASS. The average wage in Russia is 73,383 rubles per month, which is $791 in today's exchange rate. The average Russian makes basically less than $800 a month. The reason why the groceries are so cheap over there is if they charged them any more, no one would be able to afford them even when spending half of their salary on them. He also did a video where he went to McDonald's, and he, and he went oh, to the, the equivalent of the McDonald's over there and got it said two hamburgers, a fry, a drink, and a piece of pie. And he said it was $7. It's so cheap. Now, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, that, that doesn't sound like it's cheap here, at least. That sounds like it might be similar in price, might be even a little bit cheaper here. So I don't know what he's trying to do, but same thing it's when you look at the factoring it in with the what the russian average russian has paid that's actually a pretty expensive meal for most of them out there so if you hear somebody defending russia i just want you to do me a favor at this point presume they're getting money from russia okay I, I don't know if you followed my A to B there line, but if they're praising Vladimir Putin, they're probably getting paid by Vladimir Putin to praise him. That might be money being routed through places like the NRA to Republican candidates. Not all Republicans. A lot of Republicans are very much against Vladimir Putin and realize how horrible he is. But there's a lot that love to bankroll him and, you know, carry his water for him. And so I want to make sure you, you, you keep that in mind because you know what? He's horrible. And, you know, I hope the guy burns in hell for what he's trying to do in Ukraine. And in the Ukrainians, you keep kicking his ass, please, please. But all this stuff, this is just a despot. And once again, MAGA Republicans love it, love it. Uh, Chicago, have a great weekend. We'll see you on uh, two, on Monday. Minneapolis, Saint Paul. Hour two up next. Easter Lent draft for Fish Fry Fridays. Uh, the Matt McNeil picks in the first round. Holy Family in Saint Louis Park. I'll be over there tonight getting some fish, Matt. All right, <laughs> Maddie, happy, yay! Oh, I've already got. And by the way, can I say thank you very much to a lot of people who've uh, put put out some suggestions. I'm, I've I've done a few in Minneapolis that have been suggested. I have not been able to get over to St. Paul to do a fish fry fried over there. I'm going to try to get over to St. Paul this year. So if you got a good one in St. Paul, let me know. I'm looking for – and hey, don't get me wrong. I, I, I saw the the post from Hazel's Northeast, a great, radio, uh, great advertiser here on AM 950, uh, of part of the Eat Local group, and uh, they've got a fish fry event going on tonight. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, So you can stop by, get something there. Let me know what churches are having having it. And Yes. Also, I do want to make sure I mention that today uh, we here, it is uh, Listener Appreciation Day. And boy, do I have a humdinger for you, I believe is the uh, correct term. Uh, This is a, um, we got two giveaways this hour. Two, 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 I say, two giveaways this hour. Uh, First of all, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the History Theater, Uh, You get to choose between a unique assignment or uh, blended, the kim Lu sisters, uh, both those performances going on at the History Theater. So you get to choose one of those to go to. Also, this hour, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to go see Lewis Black, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the final tour on Friday, April 26th at Mystic Lake. So make sure you listen for your chance to call in there, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. What was the name of the Ben Stiller superhero vehicle with him? William H. Macy was in it. Janine uh, Garofalo was in it. Do you remember this movie? I don't remember oh, the name God. of it. It was, I can't remember. William H. Macy's character the, the was a good guy named The Shoveler. I think we have found The Shoveler's arch nemesis. Also, would probably be the shoveler. I'm just, I'm just going off the top of my head. A suspect in a reported assault with a shovel was, it, was it the old guy from the Home Alone movie? No, never mind. Uh, it was arrested for, after being tracked down using a police drone on in Duluth early Thursday. According, now wait a second here. They don't have any snow on the ground in Duluth. What are you walking around with a shovel for, Knucklehead? No. You just waiting for it to, to possibly soon according to the Duluth police department oh yeah officers responded to a report that a man had been hit with a small shovel during an altercation at around 6 a.m dude you need to get a better night's sleep because if it's 6 a.m you're already in the shovel whacking mode you're that's that's not a good night's rest. or you've not been to bed which is another problem the incident occurred on the twelve hundred block of East Ninth Street. The man was taken to a local hospital with non life threatening injuries. Are we talking like sand shovel from the beach, or are we talking like just one of those like mini shovels? I've got like a mini shovel in the back of my car so I don't have like a full size snow shovel back there um the police began the search of the area. The drone was deployed to help with the area. With the drone team relying, relaying them the information, officers entered a home and detained a 42-year-old Duluth resident. The suspect was taken to a local hospital before him being booked into jail, unbending charges of domestic assault and second-degree assault. Good work for the members of Drone Team for another successful deployment, the DPD wrote on Facebook. This new technology showcases the importance of keeping everyone safe while allowing officers to to detain a violent offender and holding them accountable in their actions. I'm gonna just say this, I this makes the most sense because if you're a cop and you've got to run uphill in Duluth, no, 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 send in the drone. <sighs> oh God, oh God, I've gone two blocks. It's like running up an ALP. Oh God. <laughs> I just, you know, might as well just have the drone circling all the time because I'm with you. Hey, police, police department, I'm with you. It's easy when the suspect's running downhill, but if all of a sudden the suspect's going uphill, uh, that begins. that's a leg day right there. You are on leg day. <laughs> Get him, droney. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So, I am going to bring up a story from the reformer, and I'm going to break it down a little bit here because there is a time – there are times where the best intentions, the best intentions lead to somewhat negative consequences. And I've always talked about how there's a lot of people in the Democratic Party who are a bit of dreamers. They're, they're, they're kind of they, – they, they, they idealists. And and that's great. I am a bit of that at times myself. But what ends up happening is you can create a situation where through your you know, the, the, your beaming smile and your pats on your back as you do something that you feel is righteous and 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 good for the people end up creating a much larger problem which frankly, doesn't address the whole problem anyway. Now, let me get into this, because I don't necessarily disagree with what this bill that has been put forward by Emma Greenman, uh, DFLer from Minneapolis, I don't necessarily disagree with it at all. But I think you're missing about what's going to happen here. And I'm not saying you don't do it, but I'm actually... Like I said, I'm going to suggest we might have to be at a point where we have to step back and step further. Now first, let me get through the story here. Child care business owners urge lawmakers to reject a bill that would expand the state's recent ban on non-compete agreements. The bill would ban provisions in contracts between businesses and customers that restrict workers' employment choices. I work in an industry that for years was cursed with non-compete orders. Um that you I mean I and and to a point where it was it, – it, I've seen people's careers get destroyed by businesses who basically say nope. And yeah, it's, it's – that, that no employer should have that level of power, especially when I can make an argument that the employer that's basically you know, damaging the individual worker's right to move on is actually the one who's clearly in the wrong. But because of the way the law is written, there is no there. There's no coverage there. So non-compete orders I, as a person who's in media, I think they suck. And for the most part, they're mostly gone. Um, and so and, and so that bill is currently in, in law here, but this, there's an expansion that people are starting to talk about. For child care centers, that would mean dropping contract provisions preventing parents from hiring their teachers. From a daycare center. That's going to be open season on my teachers, said Joe Pickett, who owns and operates two Primrose childcare centers in the northwestern suburbs. He told House members during a labor committee meeting on Thursday. Like many employers, child care centers across the state are struggling to attract workers. Losing even a couple of teachers can force them to disenroll students. Low wages in child care centers, Pickett says he pays between 16 and 22 an hour plus benefits, means employer. And by the way, let's just, I'll just, I'll just, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, math time. There it is. I'm just trying to, for some reason, my phone doesn't want to pull up the calculator. There it is. Um, So 16 times 40, 40 hours a week, times 52. That's $33,000 a year at $16 an hour. That's not a lot of money, especially to be around kids and with a specialized job. 22, let's see here, 22 times 40 times 52. That's 45. That's a little bit better, but still, it doesn't surprise me in, in considering the cost of daycare today. I mean, I, I talked to one friend today, and they said they, they're paying basically $1,400 a month for one child in daycare times 12. That's 16000 there. If you've got three kids, that's $50,000 right there. So, you know, it's pricey. So, you, you know, it doesn't pay that well. And if you've got a parent who already has multiple kids, it actually might be cheaper for them to hire somebody away who's making, say, 38000 $39,000 a year, pay them $50,000 a year just to watch your three kids and get a better situation. So that's kind of the idea here. But the workers' perspective, their freedom to take the best job they can find is limited by contracts that they aren't even party to. Republicans offered amendments that would have carved out child care centers and small businesses from the bill, but they were rejected by Democrats who voted to push the bill, H uh, House File 3456, forward to the Judiciary Committee. Bill author Representative Emma Greenman, DFL from Minneapolis, said the proposal closes a loophole in the two lawmakers passed last year banning non-compete agreements in employment contracts and to no-poach agreements between franchise owners not to hire each other's workers. The bill states no service provider may restrict, restrain, or prohibit in any way a customer from directly or indirectly soliciting or hiring an employee of a service provider. These restrictive employment covenants that we're talking about today have the same impact as non-competes, Greenman said. They limit job prospects, they limit the opportunity for wage increases, and for career growth. Proponents of non-compete agreements say they are necessary to protect trade secrets and employees' investments in training workers, but the agreements have been used widely even in low- and moderate-wage jobs and childcare, security and fast food. About one in five American workers was bound by a non-compete agreement. According to the Federal Trade Commission, the agreement, the agency's non-competes cost workers more than two hundred fifty dollar or two hundred fifty billion per year by decreasing competition in their labor, and is weighing a national ban on the practice. In an interview with the re, uh, the reformer, Pickett said he required his employees to sign non-compete agreements before they were banned, even though he knew it would be hard to enforce in courts. Oftentimes, the threat of a lawsuit is enough to k- stop a worker from leaving for a better-paying job. They were more than an intimidation. They were more of an intimidation tool. Pick It said, "When somebody went to another center, we never even enforced it." The 2023 legislature also banned no-poach agreements between workers and franchises, between owners and franchises, like Subaros and McDonald's, to not hire each other's workers, which labor experts say suppresses wages. So, I, you know, non-compete orders are are not good. They are not good. And so, to to the representative um, that, you know, Emma Greenman, uh, Representative Greenman, who's putting this forward, I get what you're trying to do, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. I, I would say, like I said, just doing the math there, and once again, if you're like a lot of people who are, my wife and I, one of the reasons why I became more of a stay-at-home parent, although I still do this job. Before that, back when my um, my third child was born, we'd done the numbers. We couldn't afford three kids in a daycare, even with one of those kids going to half daycare at that time because he was just starting school. But we couldn't afford three kids. I mean, my entire paycheck, and I made, you know, at that at that point, I was making good coin as a marketing manager. My entire paycheck went to basically pay for daycare. And so there came a point where we were saying, wait a second here. What, what, you know, what are we doing this for? So we made the changes. I, ended up being, I, I loved it because I was able to spend my, the entire time. I was able to get my kids on buses and off buses for school, and I did love that. I did love that. And we, it gave me a lot of quality time with my kids. But that was the choice we had to make because the only other choice was I couldn't afford it, so I was having to work maybe two jobs to basically be able to put my kids into a daycare. So it's an expensive premise. That being said, that cost would lead, I can easily see, a parent who might not be wealthy, but might even be kind of upper middle class. So not exactly upper class, because they're not going to be in this situation. As a matter of fact, that was the first thing I started trying to figure out. I was like, how many people would this really apply to? Because the really wealthy are not going to a a, a chain daycare or anything like this. They're probably hiring an au pair or a nanny directly. So that's not who we're talking about here. And the vast majority of people probably couldn't afford daycare. I mean, a lot of people can't afford daycare on the lower end of the income spectrum. Uh, so there's a problem there, but even if they can, you, they're not going to be in the market to try to hire someone away for an extra $5,000 a year. So they're kind of stuck there. So you're only looking at a small percentage of people who would even apply for this. I mean, it would it would be the people who are maybe middle class, dead center middle class, a little upper middle class, who have some extra disposable income, who have multiple kids, who really have done the math and they said, you know, it's actually going to be cheaper for us and probably better for our kids if we hire, you know, Miss Sally away from this daycare company and just have her come to our house and watch our three kids. How many times would that even come up in, in a case? And I'm not saying it's it should be kept just because it's a minimal thing, but this is an, a carve-out for a relatively small amount of people. I'm going to guess 100, maybe 200 employees maybe, but it is a carve out. And once again, that's not saying it's not a good idea. It just is not a lot of people would benefit from this rule change. And I have to tell you the truth. I am a little bit concerned about the negative impacts of this and what that would do To a much larger portion of people and i'll come back and i'll talk about that in a second but let's first patrick are we ready to do this let's do this let's do it all right i got a pair of tickets to the history theater uh that this is your choice of a unique assignment or blended the kim lu sisters Each of those performances going on, you get to choose which one you want to go to. The History Theater, I got a pair of tickets right now for Listener Appreciation Month, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Caller number five, you're going to win a pair of tickets to the History Theater. Good luck, 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. voice of Minnesota, congratulations to Ed in Apple Valley. You've won yourself a pair of tickets to go to the History Theater. Or you get to choose between a unique assignment. Uh, or blended the Kim Lu sisters story. Uh, so you get uh, your choice of which one of those shows you want to go to. Congratulations. That's the History of Theater tickets. A little bit later on, I'm going to be giving away a pair of tickets to go see Lewis Black, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the final tour at Mystic Lake on April 26th. Uh, I should mention, uh, listen to Robert Pilot and Native Roots Radio. Listen to Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. They've got stuff too. And we've got, the the Listener Appreciation Month going for a few more weeks here, too. So listen all next week. We'll have more giveaways next week right here on AM 950, 952-946-6205. Now, getting back to the non-compete, by the way, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that Republicans who... When they argue about not making, raising wages for minimum wage employees or not giving them more, more, uh, you know, more you know, benefits or health care or you know, sick days or anything like that, the first thing they say is, well, if the job is really bad, they can always leave. But here they are trying to keep non-compete orders in place that prevent somebody from leaving and finding a better job. They're the ones who are basically trying to put amendments and carve out exclusions to this when they themselves, you know, so when they argue, well, you can always leave your job if you don't like it. Reminder, they're already tying a leg and a hand behind your back and expecting you to dance, so. Now, that being said, I don't have a problem with Representative Greenman's bill, and I don't have a problem with this because and even though it's a minor, and like I said, I mean, we, if you follow my logic here, it's not going to apply to a lot of people, but I think if a person does have a better offer out there and the other company they're at doesn't want to match it, well, they should be able to go and get the better job. End of story. But I want to ask Representative Greenman and the other people here of what do you think is going to happen here? Because one of two things is likely going to happen with these daycares. One is they're not going to raise their wages. They'll just go with lesser qualified individuals to watch kids. And is that really where we want to go with this? Because it would seem to me that we shouldn't be trying to create a situation where daycare workers who are watching our children is a race to the least qualified people out there. That the person who couldn't work the fry bin at a fast food restaurant is now in charge of three toddlers. I don't know if that's a good idea. But that being said, do you feel as if, well, this will force the daycare companies to raise their wages and pay their people a better rate. Maybe it will. But if it is that now if it's a problem if they're not raising the wages and they're just getting, you know, lesser qualified individuals to look at kids, I mean, that's clearly a problem. But I get your your idealistic mentality is that what's going to happen is, oh, um, the company is going to learn the error of their ways. And and now, okay, let me make sure I I also have to add this caveat. I don't know necessarily what the margins are for these businesses. Margins are profit margins. An industry like the grocery store has generally pretty low margins. They have to sell a lot of product to get actually some decent margins. And they do. I mean, that's a grocery store. That's why they have so much variety, in a lot of them, is that they by having such a large amount that they basically can make some money off of that because their margins, even though they're not making, they're only making a percentage of a percent off of any individual item that they sell, because it's such large volume that they're making enough there that they can cover the bills. Other businesses have much higher margins that when you when you buy something um, that is you know, a you know, I think, I think what, what the, I think a can of soda is, I think one of the most consummate ones that you get in business school as the example. It's the can, the soda, the water, the sugar, all that stuff, you, you get charged a buck 25 for, it and it costs $0. seven cents to make. And so you know you' got you know someone's making some money there. So that when I'm talking about margins, I don't know what the daycare margins are. Maybe they're really tight. But maybe, There's a lot of daycare companies that are making a lot of money off of daycares. And once again, going in the same sense of if they're not going to raise their wages because they're just going to get worse employees, that's a signal of a problem in the industry. If the margins are so tight that losing a qualified individual is going to cripple them, that's another sign that the industry itself is in trouble. But let's go to the third option because this is what I think idealists and dreamers have in set, that you pass this bill and you say, you can't stop these people from getting a better job. And you think that a business, if they have a high margin, they're going to come out like, well, I guess we'll take a little less profit put money into these wages, and we'll increase our wages to be more competitive and stop this from happening. And everybody's arm and arm marching into the sunset, play the music, roll the credits, da-da-da, we've won. No, that's not going to happen. That's the idealist dreamer mentality. That's not the real world. (laughs) What's going to happen is no matter what their profit margins are, they're not going to cut into them to basically try to keep these employees there. So what they're going to do is raise the costs. So all of a sudden that daycare, which was $1,000 or $1,200 or $1,500 a month is now $1,700 a month, is now $1,800 a month because they're going to have to compete and they're gonna have to raise wages, but they're not going to cut into their profit margins to do that. So sure, you're getting rid of these, 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 these kind of regressive non-compete or, you know, orders is a good thing and could help 100, maybe 200 people total. The reality is the consequences of doing this are going to lead for daycare costs to go up dramatically across the board. And so thousands, tens of thousands of families are going to be impacted more by that because of this issue. Because once again, you cannot expect the company to say, I guess we can't make more profit. That's just not going to be an option. I will make a point. Now, once again, I'm not against the idea of getting the non-competes, and I sure know that the Republicans will be like, well, we don't want daycare costs to go up, so don't do this. Let's make sure we can screw over the workers, which will argue we can't benefit because they can leave whenever they want when they really can't, that sort of thing. No, I'm not, I'm not going to go down the road. I'm going to point out, I think you guys are missing the bigger issue. Daycare in this state and in this country is on life support. It's not... Years ago, a large company used to have their own daycare, and it was great. It allowed a parent to bring in their kid. They could go to work, they could, especially if it was a, you know, a nursing mother. They could go on down when they needed to take care of things. It was great. And these private companies went to all these corporations that used to have their own daycare and said, here's the deal. We're going to open up a daycare outside your business. You can shut down your daycare. We'll give people a discount because they work for you. And it will be basically just a little more expensive, but then you guys don't have to have your operating costs. And the company said, sure, we'll get rid of our daycare facilities. And they went to the private sector. Well, they were already in the private sector, but they already went to a different group of private sector companies and gave them them. And the second they shut down their daycares, what do those daycares do? They jack their prices up. And they've been jacking their prices up left and right and left and right. Daycare is unaffordable for most workers in this country you fixing this problem is more than likely going to create a lot of other problems for other people and there comes a point where the government has a responsibility to look out for the betterment of the people of the state and right now this whole daycare thing is a freaking mess and don't get me wrong there are some private companies that you have to pay a lot to get into and wealthy people love them and that's fine i'm not saying you shut those down but maybe it's time for the state to get into the daycare business. and it's maybe time for the state to start offering a cheap, affordable daycare option that pays people a decent wage across the entire state, metro and rural alike, that allows parents to not have to work eight jobs just to afford to put their kids in a daycare so they can work the the other six. And, and basically, you know, they, can, they know that their kids are getting taken care of. And I'm not saying, I mean, you can do maybe a government contract with a business or something like this, but I think you, it's time for us to realize this whole daycare situation is a freaking mess. And regardless of what their margins are, they're already unaffordable for most people. They're not going to get cheaper. They're only going to get more expensive. And if you, by fixing a minor problem, which could benefit maybe 100, maybe 200 people, end up increasing the costs for tens of thousands of families across the state, well, then the industry itself is broken. And it's time for the state to look out and say, we are not doing our citizens justice by basically screwing these people over. Fin. 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Let me tell you. Do my little boot thing. So I'll give a hoot what you do, say girl. I know you look to AM 950, like, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's see. Trump responded to the fraud verdict here. Let's see. Uh, in case you missed it earlier, he has to pay, uh, let me check, this, $364 million. That's on top of the $83.3 million he has to pay E. Gene Carroll. And he cannot run a business in New York, nor can his kids, uh, Don Jr. or Eric. They are both li- also not allowed to run businesses for two years. And they're both fined $4 million each. Um, so a couple hours of radio silence. Donald Trump has responded. The former president who stayed silent for first for uh, while well, uh, others in his orbit, such as his attorney in the case, Alina Habba, cast stones, finally decided to weigh in. A crooked death that dies, where they get the totally corrupt, attorney general... He on the basis of, I will get Trump before you know anything about me or my company. Just find me $355 billion, actually $364, uh, based on nothing other than having built a great company, election interference, witch hunt. No, actually, no. If it's a witch hunt, we found a lot of witches in your business. Uh, FYI, so yeah, hunt accomplished. Yeah, apparently, MAGA world has gone ballistic. Like, how dare you hold him accountable for his own actions? I know, I know. Um, a um, basically, I want to uh, get into. Well, first of all, I mean, I want to. Where's that one story here? Uh, just a quick update on. The Kansas City story. I didn't have time to get to this in the, the three o'clock hour. The two teenagers are now in custody in connection with the deadly shooting during the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl rally. The left one woman dead, more than twenty others injured. Uh, they are both charged on Thursday. The office of juvenile, uh, uh, the office of juvenile officer said uh, the teens face gun-related and resisting arrest charges. Currently detained at secure facility as well. Uh, it sounds like the feeling is these two knuckleheads, and possibly others, but primarily these two had a conflict and decided to open fire at them in a crowded area, and yeah, they're never going to get out of jail again, so, and, and yeah, no, they're going to be charged as adults, I guarantee it's Missouri, even if it was, you know, a 12-year-old, they'll charge him as an adult, and they have not said the ages of these individuals, and yeah, they're going to put you in jail for the rest of your life, so Yeah in other news the minnesota legal pot party which is in a court fight currently with democrats to save its major party status and once again i hate to be the spoiler here um do they realize that pot is now legal in the state of minnesota it it, it, it seems like you guys are fighting hard for an issue which as a one-issue party you're good right we're done here right yay Mission accomplished. Yay! Legal pot. The legal it's in your name, for goodness sakes. Wait, 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 all of a sudden or all of a sudden are you gonna become, you know, you know, an economic jugger house? You're the pot party, dude. You can get a contact high off most of your candidates when they're not actually fake candidates who are you know just you know, allegedly. Uh, they've commissioned a local lawyer uh, to represent them in the case. Oh, funny story. He's a Republican and a major, or ties to the state Republican Party, I should say, who also has tried to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Minneapolis Attorney Eric Cardell, K-A-A-R-D-A-L, filed a brief on behalf of the Legal Marijuana Now Party on Wednesday urging the state Supreme Court to reject the Democratic Farm Labor Party's motion to revoke the major party status. Cardell, and forgive me if I'm not saying that correctly, wrote in his brief that the DFL's allegations that the pot party hasn't met the state's major party election law requirements are untrue. Cardle also recorded the case number incorrectly. It is filing, by the way. Cardell has represented the Minnesota Republican Party pro bono. Hmm. 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 That's an interesting connection, isn't it? That the party that has been accused of running spoiler candidates for the Republican Party is now being represented by someone who's represented the Republican Party pro bono. Hmm. He's also uh, was a Treasury Secretary as well, Treasury Secretary slash Treasurer, according to his law firm's website. He's also an advisory board member of the Minnesota chapter of the Federalist Society, a right-wing a right-wing network that aims to create conservative judiciary in the U.S. Cardell in 2020 sued former Vice President Mike Pence in Congress seeking to stop the Electoral College count. A D.C. judge said Cardell's lawsuit was brimming with baseless fraud allegations and tenuous legal claims. The judge filed ethics complaint against him. The legal marijuana now party chairperson Dennis Schuler did not immediately return the reformer's call for requesting comment on how is the Political party who has been once again accused of running spoiler candidates to try to help Republicans. Um, now being represented by a guy who seems to have a lot of close ties with the Minnesota Republican Party, Democrat, and and by the way, once again the uh, the the Legal Marijuana Now Party. You know, Legal marijuana—it's—it's it's over. We—we're done here. This is like paving road party. We won't—we won't stop till the roads are paved. Well, have you seen the roads? They're—they're they're paved. They're not, you know, out in the country, sure, but you know, yeah, we got most of the roads. Go team, go. We're done here, right? I, I want. I, I. I. just I don't quite get what this whole thing is. You would think that they were themselves saying, yay, mission accomplished, and turn off the lights and head home. Democrats have an interest in seeing the Legal Marijuana Now Party, one of two parties established to legalize what is now legal, lose its major party status. Republicans have at times seemed to collude with the pop party candidates in an effort to siphon votes away from Democratic candidates in close congressional and legislative races, enraging some Democrats. Major party status... Uh, Confers significant advantages, especially ballot access, negating the expensive and uh, onerous process of collecting signatures to appear on a ballot. Okay, once again, you've done what you try now to accomplish. Yeah, I imagine it would be kind of difficult to get a lot of names on on a petition to get you added to a ballot... When you say, we're the Legal Marijuana Now Party, we'd like for you to sign us to put us on the ballot. And someone would look at you and say, isn't marijuana legal now in the state of Minnesota? It is, but we still want to be on the ticket. Why? Uh, I don't know. Too much stress, man. I need a joint. All right. Uh, The DFL party in its petition to the Minnesota Supreme Court alleged that the Legal marijuana now party has illustrated disregard for the state's election law, in part because one of its candidates for the presidential primary did not consent to being on the ballot. The DFL now in its brief said Secretary of State Steve Simon made an error in certain marijuana now is a major party and is asking the Supreme Court to order Simon to bar the legal marijuana now from nominating a presidential candidate. On Wednesday, Attorney General Keith Ellison on behalf of Simon submitted a brief saying that Simon did not make a mistake in certifying the pop party. Ellison in the brief said that the state law doesn't authorize Simon to investigate the factual accuracy of a party's petition of a major party status. Ellison also noted the law doesn't invoke a party, political party's major party status based on the DFL allegations. Simon declined to take a position on the current merits of the DFL's position according to the filing. Okay, so that maybe this is what it is. And once again... This is a political party that has been accused in the past of trying to run spoiler candidates for the Republicans to benefit the Republican ticket. And so maybe what they're trying to do is get someone on the ballot from the Legal Marijuana Now Party just to be able to, you know, so they can try to siphon a few votes away from Joe Biden. It would explain a lot why a, let me just scroll back here. Uh, he is, he represents the Minnesota Repo- Republican party pro bono is submitting briefs for them. Um, he is also part of the Federalist Society, a right-wing network that aims to create conservative judiciary. And once again, he had a case against Mike Pence, laughed out of court and allegedly had ethics complaint filed against him. Uh, in the judge saying baseless fraud allegations and tenuous legal claims is the case. But now that guy is writing is it pro bono or is or is the legal marijuana now party paying him? I There there's there, sometimes there's a thing that you can't it just it's undeniable and there's a stink on this. There's undeniably a stink on this. 952-946-6205 952 946 6205. Let's give away our final listener appreciation prize for my show for the week. Uh, it is a pair of tickets. Lewis Black, one of the funniest people. And by the way, do you see he's back in uh, uh, Inside Out? The, the, they're doing the sequel Inside Out 2. He's back as anger. In that too, I'm looking, I saw the ad in the Super Bowl. Looking forward to that. I love Lewis Black. Lewis Black is got the goodbye Yellow Brick Road. The final tour coming to Mystic Lake Friday, April twenty six. I've got a pair of tickets to caller number five right now, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Caller number five, you'll win those tickets. We'll take a break, come on back, wrap up the show for a week. When we do return, it's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. Let's have some fun, this beat is sick. I want to take a ride on your disco stick. Yeah. Your love has set me free, not love this to- AM 950, The Progressive Voice of Minnesota. By the way, the movie was Mystery Men. That was the one with Ben Stiller and Janina Garofalo and William H. Macy, where William H. Macy played the shoveler, who the E shoveler apparently is in Duluth. Uh, congrats, Spencer and Hopkins. Spencer, you get to enjoy... The fantastic Lewis Black, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the final tour. That is on Friday, April 26th at Mystic Lake. You got a pair of tickets to go see that show. We have got more stuff to give away all next week on my show. Listen to Native Roots Radio. Listen to uh, Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. Those are the live shows. We are here. We're going to be back here on Monday, even though it's President's Day. We're here live. So listen for your chance to win and what you can win starting next week on Monday. Listener Appreciation Month. Long overdue, if you ask me. And uh, a big thank you to you. 952-946-6205. Um, I don't think Iowa understands how the Iowa agricultural economy works. I, I don't think they get it. An Iowa Senate bill looks to make illegal immigrants in the state in the state a crime... Senate file 2211 is passed. Undocumented migrants found in the state of Iowa can be charged with aggravated misdemeanor, punishable by three to five years in prison. But if a person has certain marks on their criminal background, that could change into an upgrade to a harsher punishment. Undocumented Undemigra- immigration, by the way, is already a federal crime, punishable up to 20 years. Here is this is. Okay. I lived twice in Iowa. I lived in Eldora and worked for KDAO down there in Eldora Marshalltown. I worked for three and a half years in Ames for the Iowa State Flagship at KASI KCCQ, and I got a very good front row seat for the ag sector in Iowa. The ag sector is dependent on undocumented worker undocumented workers coming in to their state to do the jobs that the local population will not do A, that the AG sector pays them it's the great dirty secret of Republican America they are mainly dependent on undocumented workers to work in the slaughterhouses processing facilities work on the farms to tassel and cost me they do desperately need undocumented workers because in like other states where they have passed laws which make it illegal for you to hire an undocumented worker or find one on your property they have seen the farmers basically go rot in the field and in some states now it's a who can bid the most for the prison labor workforce for them to come on out and pick the crops and a chain gang type of thing I mean that's where we're at I I'm going to guess the ag sector is going to say, hey, Republicans, I know you guys like to talk big talk when it comes to cracking down on immigration. But if you do this, I guarantee you we will make sure you guys can't get elected ever again because you're going to absolutely destroy the ag sector in this state. And this will disappear. I mean, I, I'm stunned that they'd be stupid enough to bring it up in Iowa, which once again, the dirty secret of Iowa is as much as they say we're against undocumented workers, they desperately need undocumented workers in that state. Yep. I, yeah, it's, you know, Iowa, what are you, you, Iowa, Iowa being dumb. But, yeah, that's what you get nowadays. Okay, uh, it is the end of the week. We are going to go out and style with you. I got a little dancing for you. My absolute pleasure. This is for everyone who is dancing around your house. About $364 million that Donald Trump has to pay for being a crook. Enjoy that. Have a great weekend. We are back on Monday, President's Day. Uh, once again, Native Roots Radio coming up. Grace, Ghostbox Radio with Greg tonight. Have a good one. Till Monday. See ya.